how sweep it is from a nine game deficit to a one game lead all in 22 days. The Yankees swept the Red Sox in the Bronx Wednesday and have stormed back. They are now atop the AL wildcard standings. How the hell did the Yankees turn this ship around? Are the Yanks now the favorites to win the wild card? What do we think of Luke Voigt's comments? Our special guest is Yankees fan and one of the great all-time comedians, Tracy Morgan. So come share some laughs and some smiles with us on the Yankees or atop the wild card edition of the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees dominant relief pitcher Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown as well during the show. If you hear crying, uh, that would be Jake. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran. Yes, at nynelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Do us a favor, go into Apple Podcasts right now, give us a five-star rating and write it a nice review. We do appreciate it. Yankees fan and all-time great comedian Tracy Morgan will join us later in the pod. But first, it's Jeff Nelson and Chris Sheard as we break down this New York Yankee team who have come out of nowhere. As I said before we started taping, they've gone from Fred Sanford's junkyard to George and Wheezy's penthouse in the sky on the east side. The Yankees have won six straight, 13 of 16, 18 of 23, since losing the Boston series last month and 27-11 since that 10 and a half game deficit behind Boston. They've won eight straight series, 12 of the last 13 since July 6th. And that 27-11 and record since then is the best in the major leagues. Jeff, how the hell did they do this? The media and the fans, as much heat as Brian Cashman took before the trade deadline, is it because of him that the Yankees have all of a sudden made up ground and now a game ahead and they see themselves five out of the East? Is it because of his moves that the Yankees are where they are now? And I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say if it wasn't for Rizzo and Gallo, if it wasn't for that trade, then who knows where they would be. I think they would probably be in the same exact spot as they were before they got Gallo and Rizzo. Well, here's my thing. I give Cashman all the credit in the world for making those deals. Absolutely a thousand percent. But he also has to share some of the blame for letting the analytics department tell him he doesn't need left-handed bats in the lineup. Because obviously, uh, when you play at Yankee Stadium and when the stadium is built with that short porch, yeah, it's cute to say you have righties who could go the opposite way and hit home runs that way too. But you need lefties. And that is shown with, you know, this lineup last night as we taped this here on a Thursday morning after the sweeping of the Red Sox at the stadium in this brief thrill, well, the doubleheader and then the last game yesterday uh, with Heaney, who we'll talk about too, who is absolutely masterful after a very inauspicious beginning, giving up that home run. But Nelly's he, favorite pitcher, by the way. Hey, he threw, you gotta, you gotta tip your cap, Nelly. You gotta give him credit. But the Yankees just getting off the deck here and coming back. Cashman has all of the credit, but he shares some of the blame too. What are your thoughts on that? Because this team, this franchise, this organization, Nelly, it was on your teams. 
And it, it didn't start turning around until this year's team when they got some lefties and they had some balance and some versatility. Even Alex Cora said it. He said, this is not the same team we faced a month ago. This is, they're more athletic, they're more versatile. And he hit the nail right on the head. I think you have one of the best first basemen in the game, you know, when you acquired Anthony Rizzo. Yes, he deserves some of the blame because he's been riding this analytics department for a long time. One World Series in the last 20 years. Yes, they've gone to the playoffs. Yes, they've almost gotten to the World Series, but almost is in hand grenades and horseshoes. You know, that's not uh, it's not baseball. I don't like... I, I think too many teams, and the Yankees are one of them, put too many emphasis on their analytics department, and it ruins the game, it ruins the Yankees, it ruins everything. And he's gotten away with that, and if you look back in the past, and we've talked about it many a times, Ken Singleton, everyone that we've had on here, the Yankees have not had success and not gone to the World Series without left-handed power, and they've not won a World Series without left-handed power. And now they have the left-handed power, and they have a well-balanced lineup, and they, now you even throw Odor, and I didn't even know where Odor fit in this lineup once you got Rizzo and and Gallo. I had no idea where he fit. And now all of a sudden he's Wally Pippen. Urshela. I mean, where's Urshela fit in this? Because I, I don't, as good as hitter as he is, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but it's almost a bad problem to have because you want Odor in this lineup because he is a threat to go deep. He has played a pretty decent third base, even though he has, I don't think he's a third baseman. He's got to increase his, his arm. He doesn't have the arm strength, I think, for third base. Now, Urshela is a much better defender. Uh, so late in the ball game, do you do that? You know, even Urshela is a better, you know, almost a, a better contact hitter. He puts the ball in play a lot more than Odor, but he Odor balances the lineup a lot better. But with Cashman, I, I think I think you're right. I think you know he, he takes some of the blame, but he takes all the credit. Now you know with Aaron Boone, he gets he gets fed the lineup every single day, so. You know, it's more communication. It's more how's he work the bullpen? How's he piece it together? Now he has Chapman back, so it becomes a little bit easier. Uh, you know, Green, he's not a closer, but he did do a, a decent job his last two save opportunities. Loisega was able to squeak out of his save, save opportunity, the two-inning stint that he had against the Red Sox, where he loaded the bases in the ninth inning and got out of it. So, you know, they're winning ball games in, you know, every different, you know, different ways. And it's it's great to see. And this team obviously has a different aura, has a different energy. Since the uh, Trade, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and it's, you know, they're going out on the field and they're feeling like, okay, we're going to win today. And that's a great feeling to have something that they haven't had before they got Rizzo and Gallo. Before we get to Heaney, your, your guy and Voight's comments, I want to, I want to throw this at you. And to me, I, I was with our boss, John Filippelli at the Yes Network last night in his office. And I kind of threw this at him and I, and I was ducking because uh, he's Mr. Baseball. I didn't want him to throw anything at me after I said this to him. But as a fan back in 1996, when I was working at MSNBC, I had, you know, the Yes Network wasn't even a glint in anybody's eye yet. Uh, they were still on MSG, but you were on that 1996 team that beat the Braves, of course, in four straight, took home the first World Series since 1978. You put fans into orbit with that team. But there was something, there's something about this year's team. And fans who are listening right now could throw stuff at me if they want. But it's starting to have that feeling of 96 where, and I know other fans hate these words, but the aura, the mystique, it just feels like it's taken a while for the ghosts to come over from the old place into the new place, but they finally have started to rest and say, yeah, we were pissed at first, but now we'll come over there. We'll start helping you guys out. It feels like the baseball gods. It feels like the spirit of 1996 is with this team. 
the way they're cutting and pasting, uh, the way Mariano Duncan used to say, we play today, we win today. Ever since that trade, Jeff, I'm not saying it's been like this the whole year. I'm saying since the trade, this team has started to have that feel like that 96 team where we're going to win, we're destined to win. And it feels like this team, and I know I'm Billy Joel, go to extremes, but it just feels like this team has something special and they can make a deep run in October. They've been getting over every single adversity that's been thrown at them, COVID, injuries, you name it. You know, it does, they are winning in similar ways as the 96 team. You know, you look at the 96 team and it was really a deep team, even in the bench. And Joe Torre did a marvelous job of trying to piece together a line, not piece together, but make everybody happy. I mean, we had a lot of superstars that were bench players or utility players. I mean, Strawberry would, you know, would play maybe three or four days during the week. You had Tim Raines on the bench. You had a multiple, you know, Hall of Famers that were sitting on the bench waiting to get playing time. Charlie Hayes came over. You had Wade Boggs, you know, you had the platoon system with them. Big Daddy, yeah. Big Daddy was there. I mean, you had a multiple, you had multiple players that were, you know, probably starters, definitely starters on other teams, but they were like platoon players and they shared time. I mean, Tino would share time sometimes with with Big Daddy at, at first base. So Tori did an un- unbelievable job. Analytics didn't even exist. And now analytics ha- exists and the Yankees have used too much of it. But they are winning in similar ways. And even in the bullpen, you know, when Chapman was down, they had to figure out what were they going to do in the ninth inning and the eighth inning. You know, the only difference, we had starters that go deeper in the game. We had, you know, the pitch count didn't mean anything. You know, you had guys that are going 115 to 120 pitches. So it eliminated some of the mistakes that maybe might we might have had in the bullpen. So we were worried about nine outs sometimes. And that was the most, you know, sometimes six, sometimes four. Uh, that's the difference now. You know, the starting rotation really doesn't go that deep into the game. You're seeing five or six innings at the most, and you're getting nine to 12 outs a night from the bullpen. But they are winning in similar ways. And I just thought that the team, and it was a roller coaster ride, and I'm still going to wait and see until September because I think it's going to be a really good race. Toronto's starting to fall back just a little bit. They are in the wild card, but as far as 10 games out of the East, I even think the Yankees are going to have a hard time winning the East. But anything can happen, especially over the last, what, month that they've gained ground and overtake. Uh, you know, the Red Sox, you know, it's been, it's been an incredible run for them. But it's it, before the trade, it was robotic. It, it was no life. You know, occasionally they would put together a string and then all of a sudden they fall down to the, uh, you know, the boring team that they've been all year. And then all of a sudden you make a trade and it just obviously it infuses some energy in that clubhouse when Brian Cashman goes and makes those additions. But it also you know, also it transformed onto this field. I mean, the field is, I mean, you see these guys playing with an urgency now that you never saw. And and that's uh, that's a good thing. And, and, you know, you have now you have a little bit of a controversy as far as guys wanting playing time and who knows that when they're going to get it. But it, it's, it's a nice problem to have. But at the same time, you, you don't want it to become an issue. But this team's on a roll. I mean, this team is feeling like every time they walk and step between the lines that they can win. Well, here's the thing, and I'm so glad you brought up that point about how you had starters on the bench back on that 1996 team, because that leads us right into the comments from Luke Voigt. You know, he said, and I quote, I was top 10 in MVP voting last year, and I've been a great player for this organization for the last three years. I'm not going down. I want to play. I know it's going to be tough with Rizzo, but I deserve to play as much as he does. And I led the league in home runs last year, and I feel really good again. Obviously, the injury bug is the reason he's here because of me, but I hope Booney can do whatever he can to get me some 
inconsistent at bats. Now, there were some people who had issue. They took issue with what he had to say. And there were other people who didn't. I, I fall into the ca- the latter category. This is a guy who's a competitor. Uh, this is a guy who doesn't, you know, he's hitting 462 over his last four games. It's took him a little while to get back to form from where he was before the injuries. And he's, he's back there. But unfortunately, you have a guy, especially in Rizzo, who could play a ridiculous first base. I'm not taking anything away from Voight. He's been solid over there but he's not he's not Rizzo at first base I'm sorry you're just not Luke but his bat is definitely starting to come around did you have any issue now look the point you you brought up I think Void has to go back to that 96 team and look at Daryl Strawberry riding the pines Luke you have to just know your role know that there might be another injury in the future Uh, we don't want that but the Yankees have some good problems right now. They have Andrew Velasquez playing a tremendous shortstop, Jeff. We haven't even talked about him yet, but first, what do you think of Voight's comments? What side of the argument do you fall on here? Did you have a problem with it? Did you like it as a, being a fiery competitor? What were your thoughts on that? Well, first of, all, first of all, I'm going to slow his roll a little bit. The Miami Marlins made the playoffs last year, and they're 19 games under 500. The only reason why they made the playoffs is because it was a 60-game season. The only reason why Luke Voigt led the league in home runs and was top 10 in MVP is because it was a 60-game season. There wasn't 162. So as far as him being that and saying this is what I did last year, last year's an anomaly, and I don't want to hear anybody. And even with the Dodgers winning the World Series, great they won the World Series, but it's 60 games. I don't care what anyone says or what they kind of season, whether it was bad, whether it was good, it was 60 games. Do not compare your talents to what you did in 60 games compared to 162 games. That's first. Slow down with what he talks about. The, I, I didn't have a problem with what he said. I like the competitive nature. The only thing I had a problem with, and if you want to go back to 96, you never read anything that got out in the media if a player had any kind of problem with playing time or any of that. What did they do? They went into Joe Torre and they settled it in the office. And Joe Torre loved the compassion, loved the competitive nature of every single player. And when we had Joe on, what did he say? He said, you know what? Guys came over to us. We had players on other teams and he even mentioned Daryl Strawberry that they understood their role. They understood when they were playing and even Straw when he came on, he understood what his role was on the team. And everyone did. And that's the thing that this team does not have. Well, maybe Luke Voigt might be the only player. You have to understand your role. And I don't like when it gets out into the media. He could have really deferred those questions in his press conference after the game and and said, you know what, we'll take care of it in-house. I want to play. I feel healthy now, period, done. Go into Booney's office. Yeah, whatever, all he had to say there was, whatever the team needs me to do, that's what I want to do. Exactly. It's not about me. Now, he could have done that. And he He made it himself. made it about himself and that's the problem i have but that i i totally agree with you there but from a media standpoint this is me talking and and then being around sports and in the media for for 25 years it's so refreshing when someone actually gives you an honest answer i mean i can't get mad at him i understand why you're a little upset and 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 stuff getting out into the media and then you know the new york media jeff better than anybody once that's said it starts getting twisted and turned he was just asked a flat 
flat out question and he gave a flat out honest answer. And no, it's me, great to be honest. Yeah. For me, for someone who's been dealing with this stuff and dealing with like just the corporate gobbledygook of these players, giving you the media canned answers that they're taught in spring training. It's in the NBA, it's in baseball, it's in football. When you get that honesty, when you get that raw intensity in an answer, for me, yes. Does it have the things you talked about? Absolutely. You don't want that getting back into the clubhouse. Now, him and Rizzo stood at first base yesterday during BP. So you know there's no animosity there. And Rizzo will be the first one to tell you, I totally get where Luke's coming from. It happened to him when he was a Padre for crying out loud. So that's part of the thing you like to see. You like to see them sitting out there during BP and shagging some ground balls there at first base. I totally get where you're coming from, but at the same time, as a member of the media all the time and never at the level you were at in baseball, I appreciated his answer because it was honest. Tierney, here's the here's the problem with it, though. The, it happened after a win. The Yankees have turned their season know, around completely. I get it. It's not, it's not the great greatest time, to be honest. I mean, you don't, you don't want to start a problem here with a guy who just came here. So this is the worst possible time to do it. It's not obviously hasn't hurt them. But they ended up sweeping watch, the Red Sox. If you watch, Jake, if you watch the video and you watch the way he answers the question, to me, this is my opinion, to me, I, I if I'm Rizzo, I sit there and I'm watching it. He's not animated. He's not slamming the table. He's not some dictator over in the Middle East slamming the table and saying he wants to play. He was asked the question. He answered it, and he answered it honestly. Now, could he have answered it in the way that Nelly and I said? Yes. Whatever the team needs me to do, whatever Booney needs me to do, that's what I'm here for. And that would have been done, and that would have been the end of it. And guess what? No radio show in New York would have had, you know, hours worth of fodder to discuss what Luke Voigt said. And yet they're the ones bitching about what he said. But those comments drove their radio shows for more than two hours yesterday. Well, I mean, you could still bitch about it and still rant about it. Those two things go together. And Nelly's right. I mean, a 60-game season, that's like saying I'm the healthiest man in America because I had tuna for lunch and salmon for dinner in one day. (laughs) And ate chicken parm the other 364 days. I understand. I get it. It was a 60-game season, and maybe he should have laid low with that, especially the fact that he he couldn't stay on the field and and he wasn't healthy this season, which is why they brought in Rizzo for crying out loud. Luke Voigt's calling into the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, I totally, I agree, I agree totally with what Jake, and I understand every, all the media members like, you know, honesty. And I was on the other side. You that were was on the like media catnip, side. Nelly. That was like catnip for the media. Yesterday. Yeah, it, it was, you know, there's time to be honest and there's time to not to be honest to defer questions. And you want a good teammate. And I'm not saying Luke Voigt's not a good teammate. He, he looks like he has a lot of energy in the dugout, a lot of times when he wasn't there the team was going through uh, you know a ho-hum type of atmosphere I think if you're a good teammate you come in and you do anything that you anything that they're asking and you go and you bust your ass every single time as far as if you're fielding ground balls you show that hey I want to be on the field everybody knows that he wants to be on the field you don't need to verbally say to the media that oh I deserve to play as much as Anthony Rizzo now maybe there aren't any animosity between the two and maybe Anthony Rizzo gets along with everyone but if I'm Anthony Rizzo I'm gonna say hold on time out you're Luke Voigt you had a 60 game season where you did well 60 games where you did well. Other than that, you've been bounced around and you can't stay healthy. If you're going to compare yourself to me, then you better freaking check yourself at the door or even look yourself in the mirror. He can't even hold Anthony Rizzo's jock. I don't care what anyone says. 
I like Luke Voigt. I thought he should have been traded in the wintertime. I thought they should have made different moves as far as solidifying the left-handed side of, that, of the lineup. They didn't. They chose to keep him. And, you know, I think they've seen some of the, you know, repercussions of not trading him. Now you have Anthony Rizzo that I hope that maybe they try to make an effort to sign in the wintertime. But I think some of your comments, especially when you're playing great baseball, you do not need to take the focus off of what the Yankees are doing on the field and all of a sudden bring it on to one player because Chris, you know the media as as anybody, they will eat that alive. You talked about the radio stations. Everything that the Yankees are doing on the field is now second nature to what Luke Voigt has said. And I think it's wrong. I think I think it should have been done. If you have a problem, go to Brian Cashman, go to uh, you know Aaron Boone, and, and talk to them in their office and say, hey, what are your plans for me? You know, I feel healthy. I know why you went and got Anthony Rizzo because I can't stay healthy and you needed a backup plan, whether it was to block another team or whatever. But where, what, do you, what do you need me to do? I, I'll do everything I can to contribute to this team, but I want consistent at-bats or I would like to get consistent at-bats. And end it there. Don't give any fuel to the fire tank, any media or radio or TV or national TV like now all of a sudden you've been seeing. I hear your... I... <laughs> See, he said he couldn't hold his jock. He couldn't hold his jock, Shearney. That's like saying Chad Green uh, could hold Jeff Nelson's jock. No oh, chance God. in hell. All right, all right. I hear both of your points. The salmon and the, the eating healthy Jake and Nelly, your points as well. I get it. But all three of us, and even our, our editor and producer, Brian Munguia, will, will tell you that we've all had bad days. And maybe that question just caught Luke on the wrong day. And he was fired up because he was starting to come around after coming off the injured list. He was struggling, as we all know. And maybe he just answered honestly before, you know, it came out before he could think about it. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, I'm not going to throw this guy under the bus. Now, look. Everything Nelly just said is spot on and 100% accurate. I'm not going to argue with it. I know you guys want me to to make for a better show, but I can't because you're right, Nelly. I I can't argue with that. You you keep it in-house. You go talk to Aaron Boone. You don't give, especially the New York media, you don't sprinkle the salt bay on top of your comments for the New York media because they will take it. And something that to me was just honest and raw and not angry in any sort of way can be spun that way by different members of the media. So that's where I'm going to end with that. But Sherry, this is an afterthought because the New York Yankees, I mean, I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm looking back to We're the all going around break, and around but, in a circle and they're in a top wild card spot. Yeah. When Chapman blows that say the all-star break this show is at rock bottom we talk about the poop stripe pod which we have to address by the way because (laughs) someone wrote a review and i don't think they understood where it came from someone wrote on apple Podcasts. we encourage you to write positive reviews and five-star reviews i could do without the constant poop talk when they stick to baseball or talking with their guests it's a good show but for some reason they always work in pooping or farting to every episode (laughs) kind of seems immature if you missed last season there were stories that involved poop and smearing on bathroom windows and poop in cups uh, with the 96 Yankees and Doc Gooden. So that is where the pooping comes from. To well, uh, Whoever wrote that is not very many mature baseball players anyway. So, you know, it, that just that happens. It's reindeer DG DGWNY. He didn't leave his name, but D. Gwynny. Uh, we will talk about poop when we want to talk about poop here. Well, if we're going to talk about poop, can we talk about the Mets for a little bit? Uh, that's going <laughs> to wrap up the uh, first segment. <laughs> <laughs> Yankees play the Twins this weekend for four, and they'll look to sweep in the Bronx. And uh, Tracy Morgan's coming up. Here. <laughs> oh my God! Yep, stick around for comedian, actor, and huge Yankees fan Tracy Morgan. He is next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. 
We are so thrilled to welcome into the Pinch Right Pod right now, Tracy Morgan. He's a comedian. He's an actor at Tracy Morgan on Twitter and Instagram. You know him from Half Baked, The Longest Yard, SNL, 30 Rock, Coming to America, The Last OG. We'll have a season four on TBS in 2022. He's the star and executive producer of that. You can go back and watch seasons one through three to prep yourself for season four. Tracy, it's so cool to have you on. Thanks for coming on, man. It's so good to be here, man. I thank you, man. I thank Jeff. Uh, we met at the game the other day, man. He said, yo, come on, let's kick it. I said, I'm in, let's do it. And I'm here now. Tracy, you've, you've done all that, all that and more. Oh, my goodness. I did a little bit, a little bit of something. <laughs> <laughs> what What was that like? sitting with Nelly at this game. How did how did you guys come to sit together and, and what was the conversation like? Well I had first of all I had Lauren Michael seat so that's seat one row one. So I'm sitting there and Nelly came down he's across from me the same seat and we just started kicking. I saw him, he saw me. Actually it was his lady that saw me first and she introduced both of us and we just started kicking it. I remember when he pitched. I remember when he pitched so I knew who I was talking to. Now you grew up uh, in the Bronx and you were used to work at old Yankee Stadium you were telling me. Let me tell you something, man. I grew up right up the block, man, on Anderson Avenue, 164, 163 in Anderson Avenue, right up the block. But I worked in, I, I sell souvenirs outside of Gate 4 at the old stadium. I was with Roof, the Bay Roof. I was at the stadium with Bay Roof, Phil. So I sold, I sold tickets out there. I sold touches out there. I shopped tickets. I sold souvenirs. I did it all out there, man. It was Gate 4. Gate 4 is where it was. That's where players went in. So I saw Reggie going. I saw Dave Winfield. I've seen everybody going. Manningly. I've seen everybody go in there. I grew up in Jersey, so I grew up a huge fan, too. I miss the old place. How much do you miss that old place? I miss the old place. I'm for the old place. I'm, I mean, the, the new place is where Jeter built, but I'm for the old place where Babe built. That's where I grew up at. I went to high school. I was there. You know what I mean? So when the new place came, I'm, I'm used to the track being across the field. I ran track on that field, man. So I'm for the old stadium. I remember the old stadium. What do you miss the most? What do you, you, you know, I, to me, you know, I've never played in the new one, so I don't know what it's like about being on the field, but the old one was intimidating for visiting players. And if you were a home, if you were a Yankee, the fan base, the fans, the noise, it was freaking incredible. Especially Boston, man. It got wild and woolly when Boston came to town. You know what that's like. Yeah. You know what a Boston Yankees game is like. You don't play no games. You don't play no games. I miss everything. I miss the nostalgia, the pressing smell outside. I miss, miss being inside. All of that. Souvenirs here. Check them out. Check them out. <laughs> Souvenirs here. You got shirts, hats, and baseball bats. Shirts, hats, and baseball bats. That's all you heard. So you heard the crack coming off the back. That's hysterical that, that you said the pretzel smell, because when you said it, I actually could smell it in my nose. That was one of the endearing things about the old place, the sights, the sounds, the smells, and there was nothing, Tracy, hey, like... You're on the mound. No, no, you're on the mound. You pick the night game. It's a night game, Boston. And, and you, you see bases loaded and whatever, whatever. And then you see the train go by. Then you seen the train go by. You knew it was on. Yeah, I don't remember smelling pretzels though. I, you know, I, I might have smelled something else, but I never, <laughs> never remember smelling pretzels. <laughs> Let me tell you something, man. Yo, Nell, you were the one setting up Mo. Set up Mo. I know. You set him up. I know. Nice. 
Oh, uh, it was incredible. Hey, you, can you you know look back? You look back at Tracy Morgan's career and and where you came from, and and you when you were working outside the stadium, you look back at those times and say, you know, did you ever think you would become what you are or where you are now? Those days are still with me because some still that's what helped me. It's funny. Well, then I came from Yankee Stadium, man. Building there, there the charm, getting people to buy stuff. All of that, the the funny, all of that came. From Yankee Stadium, years before my career, man, I was honing in on my craft there. I was honing in on my craft at Gate Four. You made people laugh, they they spend money. You made people laugh, they spend money. And you stop, and you got a customer at your board, and you make them laugh, and they want to buy shirts, they want to buy bats, they want to buy stuff. Let me get a glove, man. They want to buy stuff. How did you get discovered? How how did it happen for you? How did I get discovered? 1968, at 5.25 in the morning when my mother's voice broke. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the shit hit the fan, man. <laughs> That's when it happened. I was born this way. They dropped out just now. That's when it happened. 1968, 5.25 in the morning. Her water broke. I came into the world. Who are some of your uh, comedic inspirations, Tracy? Who did you watch when you were younger? That Richard Pryor, George Garland, Eddie Murphy, Bill Cosby, all of them, all the great. Lucille Ball. And my main one, my main one, besides Richard Pryor, is Jackie Gleason. When you look at the OG, a lot of that, a lot of the OG, a lot of it is in, in the OG. A lot of the honeymooners is in the OG. I learned that he wasn't just funny, man. He was about about it. He was doing stuff. He was saying stuff. And what made you look the next week is when you heard him tell Alice, baby, you're the greatest. If you look at the OG, there's a scene in the first scene when I tell Shay, I said, Shay, you're the greatest. How much do you love what you do? You you, you know, you, you do so much and you do, so, you do such an incredible job. SNL, unbelievable. Me, if I couldn't do it, I'd die. Yeah. It's me. If I couldn't do it, I'd die. I wouldn't be here long. I couldn't make people laugh, man. I'd die. I, the money's good. The funny's the fame is good, whatever, whatever. But if I don't have none of that stuff, I'd still be funny. See, that's the gift that God gave me, my sense of humor. That's the gift that he gave me to get past my oldest brother being born with cerebral palsy, my father dying of AIDS from Vietnam, my mom's having cancer, all the bad things. My, ex, my ex-wife passing away, all the things, my divorce now. My sense of humor is what saves me when I can make fun of it all. I know that it, you know, that's why your comedies, it hits so hard and it resonates because it comes from a real place. And and that's how, is that, does that help you cope with what's gone on in your life? Look at me, man. You ever seen Staying Alive? That was my last special. That was right after the accident. Look at Staying Alive, man. It says it all. Staying Alive, man. Staying Alive. I got hit by a truck. That, that changed your life, man. Miles yeah. Hour. yeah. Well, not just that. It was way before that. It was way before that, man. My father changed my life when I was born. He introduced me to God. My pop. I mean, the truck accident made me closer, but I always believed, man. Always, God was always with me. He ain't never left me, man. You know, the accident just brought me closer. The accident just brought me closer. That's all. How are you feeling now? I feel great now, man. You look great, I man. Good. I saw I'm you the other day. You look great. I feel great. I'm here. My kids are healthy. I'm healthy. Y'all are healthy. I feel great, man. I'm on top of the world right now. And every day, after that accident, every day I wake up, man, the first thing I do is open the curtains, man. The sun is up, man. It might not be, it might be cloudy, but the sun is out. It's out. I got another chance. I got another day. The rest is up to me. I'm, you, I'm beginning to think that happiness is a choice, man. You can choose to be happy or you can choose to be sad. Whatever you want to do, man, it's on you. Your life is a business, man. 
God will give you the business, but you got to run it. Well, our producer's not too happy because he's a Mets fan. So he, <laughs> even if he Here chooses, even if he chooses to be happy, it's not going to happen. But we're happy because we're Yankee fans. Yeah, I'm a Mets fan. Yeah, it's rough. Y'all producer, y'all producer got low self-esteem. He has low self-esteem because they used to lose him. Mets, Jets, Mets. The Nets are still the Nets. Yeah, well, I don't care what nobody Well, Tracy, I'm Mets, Jets, Knicks, so I've z- and I'm 30, so I have zero titles in my lifetime, so I definitely have a low uh, self-esteem. Mets, Jets, and Knicks. Who's with the Nets? You're with the Nets? I'm with the Knicks. I'm a Knicks guy first. Okay, okay, so good, you're not good with times. the Nets. Good times ahead with the Knicks. Kemba you're Walker. You're a Jets fan. Yeah. You're a Jets fan. Yeah. Now, if you want to come over to the Giants, I have your paperwork up in the front <laughs> office. What do you want to do? Well, listen, I root for the Giants. I interviewed you. With, I, I interviewed you it's, with Lawrence it's not Times. Too late. Last last August, I spoke with you with Lawrence Tynes on our Giants podcast. So I root for the Giants too. You came on with I me. I remember. Time. Yeah, and we had a good time. And I, I think the Giants we had have a great time, future. right? Yep, we had a great time doing that, right? We had a good time doing that for a long time. That kicked off the season last year, and now good things ahead for the Giants. So the Knicks and Giants, I know you're a Knicks and Giants guy, have a bright future right. ahead, and the Yankees are first in the wild card. So for you, it's all happy sales right now with your sports teams. Yeah, man, that's how I'm feeling about my teams, man. You know how I am about my teams, man. The Yankees, the Giants, and the Knicks, man. I, I, I'm very, I'm die hard. I'm Tracy, die hard. how about Kemba? How about Kemba coming to the Knicks? Well, I just got a jersey from the Knicks two days ago from Kemba. So my daughter has Randolph. I have Kemba. So we have we got a little squad. We got a little squad. We ready to go. We're gonna make probably gonna be four again, and we were way ahead of schedule last year. Nobody thought we was going to uh, the playoffs, and we did. And at the last game, it seemed like the fans, was, the New York fans were so hyped. They was going to boo the team. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They gave us a great season. The Knicks gave us a great season. We should applaud them. And they started applauding. And I was like, oh. Who expected that? No, I didn't expect that. No, the Knicks were way ahead of schedule, way ahead. And we were grateful. I was grateful. And then the fans. They see me applauding the team. They started applauding the whole the whole arena started to applaud the, the the Knicks. They gave us a great season. They gave us a great season. We uh pretty much Nelly and I, you know, it's it's this it's been such a roller coaster ride for this Yankee team this season. But I mean, what they've done with the injuries and the COVID and everything else to be where they are right now is just unbelievable. You have to give these athletes a hand because of what they had to go through is just like the kids in school. It's tough on them. It's really tough on them, man. The kids in school and the athletes and all the things they're playing with no fans in the audience. It's great. I think it's great. Including tonight, 18 more home games. How many are you making? What do you think of this team? Where do you think they end up? I think they I think they in the wild card. I think they go wild card and then we'll take it from there. Let's get to the wild card and we'll take it from there. Tracy, how has comedy for you changed? We talked with Vic D. Batetto the other day about how comedy's changed and you know it's a lot more PC. Has that changed your stand up routine? No, absolutely not. Not for me. I've created a lane where I do my thing. I do my thing. It hasn't changed for me. It's all about making people laugh. Be funny. I don't get into that. I don't care about the PC stuff. I don't get my head into that. I stay the course. And people love you for it. Because the PC stuff, I mean, you're, you're just into the times. And, you, I mean, you do what you do of what got you there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to get into that PC stuff, and I don't care about that. I've paid for that already. I remember when I paid for that with the gay stuff, man. I paid for that already. Now, how much do you still do stand-up? Do you do stand-up still? Yeah, I still do stand-up. This time, right now, I have a cast on my foot. 
So I can't really hit the stage, but I'm going to start hitting the stage. This cast is coming off in like two days. Then I'll start hitting the stage again and getting ready for my tour. I start touring next December, and it's going to be incredible. I have my writers, and we're going to write. We're going to we're going to we, we're going to have a good time on stage. What happened to your foot? Well, I just broke my ankle. Oh, okay. So it's okay though. All right. Yeah, simple. It's steel. It took X-rays today, and it looks great. I have to bring this up because I have to tell you this quick story. Uh, you did a sketch. On SNL, I, I don't even know how many years ago it was, but my wife never saw it. And I said, you got to sit here and you got to watch this because you're going to laugh your ass off. And I played it for her and it was when Garth Brooks hosted and you all were in the movie theater and every movie started with James Brown's I Feel Good and Shelley Long was starring in it. And it's all quiet and everybody says, you know, oh, that looks terrible. And then it gets quiet and it's you in the back and you go, yo. That looked funny. And I swear to God, to this day, Tracy, I still piss my pants laughing. I, I don't know. It's just. That's it's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh, oh yeah, that, <laughs> so, that's hilarious. <laughs> the stuff I remember is, is, is incredible, but I got my wife to laugh too. So I just wanted to throw what was it like on SNL? What was it like on SNL, Tracy? You know, I've gone a couple times and. You know, it's it, I I'd absolutely love the show. But what was it like for you being on there? Doing comedy. First of all, it was the time of my life. And doing comedy in front of 20 million people every Saturday is like being shot out of a cannon. It was live TV. And it was, it, yo, listen, Saturday Night Live didn't come on because it was ready. Saturday Night Live came on because it was 1130. So ready or not, here we come. And now Lauren Michaels was our chief. Lauren Michaels was our chief and commander. He's like a dad to me. Lauren Michaels is like a dad to me. I speak to him all the time. You know what? David Wells said that too. So you're not you're not the only one. The former I love David Wells. Yeah. When he hosted, I was with Dave. Me and Dave was hanging out. After work, me and Dave hung out. Was that the night he threw the perfect game the next day? Was that the party that everyone talked about? No, I cried when he threw that perfect game. And I cried when David Cohn threw the perfect game. I cried. I like this came out my eyes. I was really happy for them, man. I cried, broke down, man. I was happy because I had a day off, so I didn't have to pitch. I was happy. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Everybody was happy all around. Oh, yeah. I remember, man. I remember 9-11. I remember when we took to the air after 9-11, man. It was incredible. If you watch that show, what we did after 9-11, the first show we did after 9-11, man, they brought, at the end of the, at, you know, Lauren Michaels thought of it, but at the end, they brought the ambulance people and the firemen straight from 9-11 to the stage. And I remember everybody was crying and breaking down. And I went to, I patted one of the, one of the firemen on the back and dust from 9-11 came off his back. And I broke down, man. Right on the stage, man, crying. It was devastating, man. I lost friends and family in that building, man. Those buildings. It was devastating. And we had to get back to work. We got to get back to normal. And you guys, along with along with sports, man, SNL, the Giants, the Yankees, the Mets, Piazza hit that huge home run uh, in the first game back. You all were the sense of normalcy that everybody needed because I lost a friend too in the North Tower, and it, I can't believe it's going to be. I can't believe it's going to be twenty years. Same thing is happening with COVID, man. This is our Vietnam trauma last year. When they say they might be rising again, and everyone got to just be safe, try to get vaccinated because it's about prevention now, and you know, just live your life, live your life, man. Tracy, I wanted to ask because there's always, uh, you know, every every once in a while, I'll get asked, oh, who was your best favorite teammate and who was your worst teammate? Was there ever anybody that you played with that 
you didn't like being around or, or whatever. And, and it's really hard to find a bad teammate. So I wanted to ask you, I said, do an SNL and you don't have to name names. Has there ever been one of those guys, one of those like stars or actors or somebody that you really wanted to meet? And you're like, oh, this guy's coming on our show or this lady is coming on our show. And all of a sudden you say, what a disappointment. What a butthead that guy was or that girl was, man. That, I wanted to meet him so bad. Next thing you know, ah, this is, this is, this Absolutely is. Absolutely not. <laughs> no? Okay. I'm wow. Yeah, I'm Tracy. So I don't care how much of a badass you are. When you meet Tracy Morgan, you ain't going to be able to withhold, you know, you're going to be different. Tracy Morgan, so I never had that. I never got that from nobody. I never got that. My 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 love and my charm and all that's going to disarm you quickly, quickly. I'm chilling with my man Jay Nelson, Nelly, and because of that, he asked me to be on his podcast. You don't ask everybody to be on a podcast with him. Oh, heck You know no. what I'm talking about, Nelly? He sat next to me, and it was good. It was all good. You felt that. I could have sat next to you the whole game. I wish I would have. Maybe the next time when you're there, I will. We'd have been kicking. We'd have been talking baseball. You know our conversation switched a million times when we were sitting there. Yeah. We talked about everything. You said, I got to have this guy on the podcast. Let's kick it. Yeah, you, I never met you before, and you were, uh, you, you were, uh, you know, so happy that I met you, and you know, such a true gentleman, and you, you're a great guy, man. I was, I was really impressed by, by you, and, uh, and, and obviously everything you've done. I think you're hilarious. I love watching you, but to meet you and talk to you in person, that was incredible, man. You know what? I'm glad I could be able to say, me and your friends. Yeah. And not feel like a lot. I could say that. What? You crazy? I don't know. You crazy? You don't know. <laughs> I know. That's my man. What you talking about? And my homeboy pitched in the World City, so I'm good. So when's the next game you're going to be? Where are you going to, when are you getting out there again? There's only 18 more home games. Oh, I'm going to football now. I'm going on the 29th. What's that, 29th? I'm going on the 29th to the Giants and New England game. If you want to come through, I got a box at Giant Stadium I have for about five years, man. Come up now. I'm right there. The 29th. Okay, I'm going to look. Yes. It's all family already stated. My box is all family or all kids. I got 27 seats. I got a box. Come up if you want to hang out, man. Let me know. That sounds good. Let I'll me know. And I'll see. Tracy, do you, have a favorite, do you have a favorite memory from Nelly's teams? Like, was one of those teams or one of those moments from those years stick out the most? All of them. I love my, I love my Yankees. I can't 10.1. I mean, when he pitched, I can pinpoint. I can pinpoint one two thousand when we beat the Mets. That oh, that was that, that was here he goes. that was probably you know. Wow, we were in five of them. Wow. And but the thing of it is, is that the wow. city was nuts, though, right? I mean, the city was crazy. Yep, two thousand. I remember. See that Tracy? He throws it in my face when he beat my Mets every time, every show. I beat your Mets. I beat your Mets. He always likes to do that to me. Nelly had a chance to play for the Mets too when he didn't. Yeah, Tracy, I had two opportunities to play with the Mets and the Red Sox, and there was two teams that I would never, after being a Yankee, I never wanted to go. There was a lot of guys that did that. I wasn't crossing the tracks. No way. Wow. I remember my first Yankee game back in the days. I was about eight years old. My uncle took me, and we sat way up there. We sat way up there, and I watched. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who was playing. I think Rod Gidry was playing maybe his first year. Rod Gidry. I remember Rod Gidry. Yo, Nelson, Nell. Yeah. Yo, Nell. Yes. I had a fight when I was younger in the park because I was playing baseball cards, and dude tried to walk out with two of my Reggie Jackson. <laughs> no way. Expected <laughs> hey, my Rod Gidry by Reggie Jackson. That ain't happen. He took a Reggie Jack. He took two Reggie Jacksons and a Rod Gidry. <laughs> and he almost got my catfish on him. Uh-oh. Almost got my catfish on him. 
If you were eight, that was seven, that was seventy six. That that was the year they lost to the Reds in the World Series. So you you saw the the rise of that team that was going to win two straight World Series. So that's pretty cool. Was that with Red? Was, was that with Reggie? Uh, seventy six was the year before Reggie came in. Seventy seven was Reggie's first year. That was the first time I went when uh, he took me to see Reggie. Oh, all right. So it was seventy seven. Yeah, yeah. I was little, I was a baby. I remember that, man. What was it like around the stadium, like outside the stadium when the Yankees were playing and, you know, in the World Series and even back then when you were younger? It was insane. It was insane. You had everybody came together from across the water, upstate. It was everybody loved it. You got to understand, when New York, any New York team wins a championship, it, it brings the whole thing because John Lennon called New York City Rome. So the Yankees, the Knicks, the Nets, the Mets, they all gladiated. We're in Rome. You're in the center of the universe. I don't care where LeBron plays. A lot and they want nothing in LA. He wanted some two buildings down there. And when you win a World Series as a Yankee or Giant or Nick, Wall Street is right down the block. You can sell all the Big Macs and Cadillacs you want after that. Yo, how about how about Mark Messier? That guy won one Stanley Cup. One. And he's a god. If LeBron won one championship as a Nick, He'd be a god too. I, 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 that whole decision thing pissed me off. Wall Street is right down the block from the garden. It's right down the block. Think about it. You win a championship in New York City, and you know it. The world is yours, man. That's why you guys are the biggest market in the world. The Knicks could be in last place and still make the most money in the NBA. Truth. Yeah. And no, yo, Nelly. Yeah. Next season in the Knicks, year, man. You know I'm we on the floor, man. Me and you on the floor. Okay, I'm there. Me and you on the floor. I'm there. Hey, you on the floor, man. Let's just go down there and check out what we got on the floor, man. Let's see. Let's see, Kimball. Let's see what's on the floor. Let's see what we got on the field, man. Who's pitching? We got to see all of this stuff, man. Before I make a determination about the season, I got to see what we got out there. Jake, you and I will be in the blue seats. I don't seats. know what we got out here yet. I got to see the Giants. Me and Sharni will be up in the blue seats. Uh, <laughs> get Nelly and Tracy had the grand introduction on the, on the Jumbotron at the Garden, and Kemba lights it up with 40 in the next round. But, but the first game, me and Nelly might go all the way up there with some binoculars and see what we got on the floor. <laughs> Maybe not. Like, Yo, Nelly, me and you might have to send somebody back down. <laughs> Get him back down to the farm, please, man. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going, you're going back down to the farm. Absolutely. I'm thinking about getting that Dominican Little League player to pitch for us. He was a Little League pitcher throwing 90 miles per hour. I'm like, this dude is Dominican. He got grandkids. <laughs> oh, that's, that's in the Little, World, Little League World Series. That was that's from grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> he was playing Little League for grandkids. Yeah, they said he was 11 or 12 years old. He was like 17 or 18. I remember that. He was 36. from... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he's 36. He has grandkids. His balls were hanging to his knees. You knew he was older. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he's a grown man with uncircumcised penis. Silencio, uh, <laughs> mijo. <laughs> <laughs> Life oh, is good, God. man. Tracy, what else you got going on here? You get the last OG next year. You got tour dates next year. You working on any other uh, projects? Yeah, tons, tons of projects. But I, I don't like to talk about stuff that I have on my plate because I don't want to jinx nothing. So I just focus on things that I've done. And people say to me all the time, "So what's next?" Well, I'm still enjoying the last thing I did. I'm still enjoying it. He just finished taping season four of the last OG. I'm still enjoying that. 
I want to get the full enjoyment of it. Well, Tracy, we really appreciate you coming on today because I know Nelly appreciated the enjoyment and uh, so did I. I. I was so looking forward to this. Uh, I'm such a big fan of yours. I'm so glad uh, you came on with us today at Tracy Morgan on Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate it, brother. Thanks for coming on. Man, I love all. I love y'all, man. Thanks, Tracy. All y'all, man. You're an incredible person, my man. Incredible person. I love you, baby. Be well and travel safe. That says goodnight to episode 79, the Nick Nelson edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mugia for producing the show. Do us a solid and go into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. You can also find us on Spotify or wherever else you get podcasts. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We are back on Monday after the Yankees series with the Twins in the Bronx. Enjoy the games and your weekend, and thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod.